Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Chasing the Chip, episode 11. I am your host, Moise, as always, alongside my co-host, Dree. How are you doing, Dree? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. We got a decent amount of stuff to talk about today, so let's get right into it. Brandon Scherf reportedly turned down the contract to make him the uh, league's highest paid guard. We don't know the numbers. We don't know if that means it's over. We don't know anything yet. But my guess, my first instinct when I saw this report was they offered him $17 million a year. Because right now it's Joe Tooney, I think, is the highest paid guard yeah. in the league. $16 uh, million a year, and the Chiefs just gave it to him. Brandon uh, or Brandon Sheriff is a better player than Joe Tooney. He deserves more money than Joe Tooney. I'm assuming that they made him an offer of $17 million a year, which would be mm-hmm. something along the lines of five years, $85 million. And he turned it down because he's making $18 million this year. It's almost a Kirk Cousins situation again with a lot less of an important position, but, you know, really, really good player. How do you feel about Sheriff, Sheriff turning us down? Um, I, I can't I, – honestly, I'm not too surprised. I felt for a while now that he didn't really want to be here unless we know – like we gave him this major bag, like tackle money, the money that in a sense like Trip Williams recently got paid. <laughs> so, like I said, it's not really surprising to me. It sucks because you don't want to lose a homegrown player like that, but I definitely feel like it's reaching the end, and hopefully, you know, they make something shake, whether it's a deal or a trade. Honestly, at this point, I'd rather kind of just trade him because – I don't, you know, like I love Sheriff and he's a great player, but he also has a lot of injury concerns and mm-hmm. he's better than Tooney, but he also is a lot more injured. Like uh, Tooney, Tooney, I, I, yeah, but he's like all, yeah, uh, every year he's plays all 16. You, you don't, you don't know what you're getting from Sheriff every single year. So for me, it's like to play a guard position and then you come out here and say that you want 90 to a hundred mil and you can, you know, you can't even stay healthy. Like I understand getting the bag, but it just gets to a point where it's like, you got to do us a favor. Like we're trying to help you and we're trying to make you the highest pay. But at the same time, we can't just blow a bag when we don't know essentially all we're getting because mm-hmm. he's had so many different injuries. So we can give him that money then, you know, God forbid, but he can have another injury with his pack or ACL, anything. And I mean, you take that risk with any player, but I just feel like for him, is more of a risk. And it's kind of funny to me, and I tweeted it, that we drafted him to play tackle. He couldn't play tackle. And now you want tackle money. So it's just like... (laughs) He, yeah, I mean, he just didn't really have the foot speed necessary, I think. It was the right call, just kicking him into guard, making Moses the right tackle. It was definitely the... Yeah. He, yeah, it is kind of funny that he wants tackle (laughs) money now, though. He is an elite right guard, probably the best in the game, if not second behind, like, a a healthy Zach Martin or something, maybe a Quentin Nelson. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think have the effect on the game necessarily that it would take to acquire tackle money, because yeah. just because guards don't really pop all that much if you're not paying too much attention. I guess on like inside runs, you'll maybe see the occasional pancake and stuff, but it's not like you're watching <laughs> ends on ends reps of Brandon Sheriff thinking, yeah, you know, this guy has never allowed a sack. This guy is amazing. We must pay him. There's no reason we can't uh, should not retain him. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, he's definitely injury prone. I don't object to paying him around $90 million because the salary cap is going to go up so much in a couple years. And I can eat one year of having it be uh, a little bit detrimental, even though they've been really, really good about structuring contracts. I don't think we've really given that enough shine. They structured William Jackson to where he's only like a $4 million cap hit this year on a $14 uh, million AAV. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I would say for this case, though, I kind of want them to front load the deal, I think. I would agree. Yeah, I think 
yeah, I mean, that way you don't have the guarantees on the back end. Can't screw you over. Like, like what's happening with Landon Collins right now, essentially, yeah. right? You don't want another <laughs> scenario with that. Hopefully he comes back strong, by the way. But they have been really good with the contracts. Recently. They've been really, really good this offseason with the contracts. Maybe it's just actually having a GM, let alone three GMs in the building. Yeah. Stuff like that is easier to sit down and lay out. Uh, and I think it just kind of feels like the front office knows what they're doing. When hasn't really felt like that the last, what, 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> when did, uh, whenever uh, Gibbs left the second time. What is that? 15 but it's funny, though. You know, like... The old regime was terrible, but I feel like, you know, for all the things that people say about how we handle the Kirk situation, I don't think that they necessarily handled this Brandon situation poorly. And mm -hmm. that's like the one thing I'll give the old regime's props for. Every regime we've had, they've all been trying to re-sign Brandon. And mm -hmm. this is another Last reason two years. why I don't think he wants to be here because when we still had Bruce in the building, he gave him an offer. It was around 13 mil. And I understand mm -hmm. Brandon not taking it then, but it's like... You say you want to stay here. You say you want to deal, but then at the same time, you aren't really telling us what you want. And then now we, you know, franchise tag him, and he's at this 18 mil point, and it's like we, you know, we probably have offered him about 17 mil or so. So mm -hmm. it's like, can you give the team a number? Can you work with us? Like, we yeah. can't, you know, like, you want to be here, you want the money, but at the same time, we're not a mind reader. You right. know, I'm sure if they Negotiations offer Negotiations like are a two-way street. Yeah. They'll obviously will take the deal, but at the same time, it's like you got to work with us. So it's not like we don't want to be him, and it's not like either regime aren't, isn't hasn't tried to keep him here. But it's just getting to a point where you're trying to play hardball, and you're you, you're making it harder for yourself. So I just wanted to be, you know, I just hope that they come to an answer, regardless of what it may be. Like I said, he's a great player, he's mm -hmm. a a great leader, but it's just I don't I don't really know. It's a little messy now, and yeah. I. Maybe it gets sorted. I mean, you still have a couple months until the July deadline. Uh, hopefully, you can get something done. I mean, it just sounded like contract talks have just not really gone anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of where it has been the last two years. It kind of goes for a little bit. They'll tag him, and then it slows down immensely. That's yeah. exactly what happened last year. And then they said they'll play out the year. Last year, I remember that John Kime was saying he didn't want to play the year on the tag. And then he played exactly. the year on the tag. And now he's going to play another year on the tag, potentially. So and that's you know and that's why it's so frustrating because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like he's really working with us like no. you keep saying that you want this and that but your actions and other things aren't doing like the team is a many of things but in this situation it really seems like they're trying so it's like Brandon please work with us if you want to trade just come out and say that like but we need something you know like with the trend situation it dragged on but at the same time it got to a point where he's like I don't want to be here I just want to trade mm -hmm. and we did that we need to know what you want like yeah absolutely like I think. He, he just needs to make his thoughts clear. Hopefully that happens sooner rather than later because it's kind of becoming a decent-sized distraction. I hope, it is. I, hopefully that gets sorted. Let's move on to some more positive news. Uh, Natalia Dorantes, I think is how you pronounce her name, was the first-ever Latina woman appointed to be the, the chief of staff for an NFL organization. I don't know almost anything about what that position means. Uh, Me either. <laughs> there's a... She's apparently the third woman to serve in this role. I read the story by uh, Rhiannon Walker on The Athletic. She kind of described it as like she'll be an intermediary between the coaching staff and Ron. So he'll kind of she'll kind of carry his voice, mm -hmm. which makes this position seem pretty damn important. If, uh, yeah. if your head coach is like it's almost like an executive assistant where she's just kind of his voice wherever he's not. And that's it. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Hopefully she uh, she works. out. I don't know. 
what specifically she's gonna do on a yeah. role or day to day basis. I did see in that story though that uh, it was a pretty cool anecdote. She had randomly DM'd Ron Rivera just saying like thank you for being a Latino in the football community. We don't get a lot of those. And then about six months later, she was hired as the chief of staff for the organization. Yeah. And and it's funny because knowing Ron, he probably like took that and you know put in his brain and like mm-hmm. I'm gonna hire this girl. You know, I don't want to say girl. I'm gonna hire this lady one day. And he you know he probably had to you know do some thinking about what position he was gonna put her in. But just knowing the type of guy that Ron is, the type of coach that he is. I already know that that DM and him seeing that probably played a huge real go getter attitude. Her yeah. getting this uh, position, but I love it. You know, like you said, we don't necessarily know all of that entails, but I think that it's a great move. I love the diversity. I love seeing women in uh, sports. I love seeing women in position and higher positions. So it's just dope, and I definitely think that it'll probably be um, more of him like when he's, you know, focused on game day and game planning, he'll probably just make sure that the front office and those type of things are handled and making sure everybody's on the same page. But either way, regardless of what it entails and regardless of what she does, I think it's, you know, just a good move overall. And I just like that it's just so much consistency and they all just seem to be on the same page and everything's just moving smooth. We haven't had mm-hmm. this in God knows how long. And it's, it's very dope to see. It's calming in a lot of ways. I can't remember the last time I was this bored in a Washington football offseason. For there's, real. <laughs> there's usually always something going on, making us seem dysfunctional, something, you know, a player is not happy. Last season, I think it was Quentin Dunbar around this time. Yeah. It was just like, I want out. So <laughs> it's nice to just kind of have people who seem like they know what they're doing and doing their jobs well. Hopefully yeah. that translates to the football field because sure. it's we haven't seen anything close to that. <laughs> in my lifetime but yeah i think just kind of this feeling of an adult in the room is just very very nice and it's i love what they've been doing with the diversity hires they not that it's like tokenism or anything but they're just giving opportunities to people who haven't otherwise had them jennifer king thing i thought was really really cool this feels i loved it yeah that this feels like in the same vein just in a different aspect they're obviously in i don't want to say obviously but it feels as though like front office has always been a little more open to uh, having women in professional sports than coaching has. So either way, I think Ron has knocked it out of the park in both aspects, and it's just really, really cool. It definitely is. And like you mentioned, it's not tokenism. Like I've seen a lot of people, even under our tweet today, um, where they announced it, I've seen some guys say, oh, this is enough, you know, political correctness and all that good stuff. This is not what they're doing. Like people think that, you know, when you make these hires, you know, they're trying to appease certain crowds and stuff. No, that's not what they're doing. They're honestly like, I don't think that that's the type of person that Ron is. I don't think that he has people in the building to do these type of things. I genuinely think that he's hiring these people because, you know, they are the right fit and, you know, they bring certain things to the building that he likes. And overall, I love it. And I hope that we continue to build on this. And I hope that it makes for a great draft and a great season because this is a very exciting. Like you said, I haven't been bored in a long time, but this boredom at the same time is so much excitement for yeah. what's to come because we don't have to worry about the little things. We, like you said, we don't have to worry about, you know, like we have Sheriff, but it hasn't really reached that point. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's just peaceful. Like, I, the main thing everybody focused on right now is mock drafts. Mm-hmm. We don't have no arguments over this or that. And, you know, this, you know, just all the, like, we don't have the negative publicity. Like last, last season around this time, we had all the talk with Dan and the cheerleaders and stuff. So it's really just refreshing to see, like you said, and I just, you know, I, you know, the Washington football team is in many of things and we have a long way to go, but I can say, you know, for sure. And I can say for certain, 
I'm very happy to be a Washington football team fan, and I'm definitely excited for what's to come. As am I. It's just very, very exciting. But going back, let's touch on that real quick. Mock drafts. There has been an emergence of a certain quarterback in recent mock drafts at 51. I think you know who I'm talking about. Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. Had a really good senior bowl, and so people kind of forgot that he's not that great at football. Uh, (laughs) He has all the physical tools necessary to be a quarterback, but... Outside of that, nobody really knows. Uh, <laughs> Amari, I know, our biggest fan, has been pounding the drum for Kellen Mond for a year and a half. So I'm sure he's very happy about this. He has? How, you haven't seen that? I mean, No. Guy, he just always sends the, the gif of Kellen Mond putting on the cowboy hat. Uh, he's a big Kellen Mond guy. But <laughs> how do you feel about Kellen Mond? Um, I think that he has some potential, but I don't like him at 51. That's definitely a no for me. I think that if I was to get him, I would, you know, it would be more of a day three pick. I don't even think I would take him in round three. And he may be gone, but that's just how I feel. Like I said, I think that he has some potential in his throws at his pro day in the senior bowl. It was interesting, but for me, it just doesn't, You, I can't forget, you know, the things that he he's done throughout the season and stuff. And that's kind of what happens, like, Fans, but more specifically, our fans in general, they see these, you know, recent things and they get a recency bias. So not to say that he's a bad player or a bad prospect, but I think right now he's being a little bit overhyped, especially because we are so desperate for a quarterback. So it's just for me, it's like piped down a little bit. And right. I mean, like I said, I don't really like the move at 51 or even in round three. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm not a professional. So if the team feels comfortable enough to bring him in, I'm going to root for him. And, you know, I'm not going to clown the pick because they obviously know more than me and they've watched him. So if they feel comfortable enough to bring him in here, then that means that he's worth giving a shot. So I'm all for that. That's just how I feel. Yeah, I I, I do trust Ron's judgment, but uh, I would raise an eyebrow at the pick yeah. at the very <laughs> least if uh, – if we took him at 51. Amari did clarify that he is trolling. Okay, cool. Uh, Kellen Mond, yeah, he does have the physical tools. He has a great arm. He can kind of throw a crossbody. He did. He tried to replicate the Zach Wilson pro day throw. Did you see that? And he did it. He's the only I other don't guy like this. Do I don't like it being called the Zach Wilson throw. The crossbody yeah, left I pylon throw. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you know the throw I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he did successfully replicate it. He does have a pretty good arm. I don't think that means anything a lot of guys have good arms we saw a guy here last year who had a good arm (laughs) doesn't necessarily translate to success if you want success i think you got to look deeper than that i don't know him as a person so i won't speak on that uh i do think physical tool wise there are some other guys later in in the draft who i like better physical tool wise jamie newman also not a great quarterback while in college has more physical tools than uh than calamon in my opinion Crazy yeah. good arm, can move faster. <laughs> he's uh, he's just, I think Davis Mills also, he only played like 11 games at Stanford. Yeah, I like him. I like him too. He's a lot of physical tools as well. Ne- <laughs> I think all three of the guys are in contention. I don't know about at 51. I don't know when. Hopefully, I would say we have two third round picks. Just yeah. use one of them on a quarterback and I would be completely cool. Uh, if not, then I mean... Hopefully some other prospects are around in round three. I mean, we can still use starting safety. <laughs> Shout out to Matufil because Chad is asking me to. Uh, that's my cousin. How are you feeling about other quarterbacks in the draft class? Because at this point, well, I'm the, let me also preface. There was a report today that we w- might trade up from uh, Mike Lombardi, I think his name is. 
You're going to trade up for Mike Lombardi? No, no, no. Mike Lombardi. <laughs> Mike Lombardi had the report that we were going to trade up for Trey Lance yeah. because our brain trust is in love with Trey Lance, which would be awesome. But assuming that doesn't happen, we're stuck looking at these day three, day two scrubs like <laughs> Davis Mills and, uh, and Kellen Vaughn. I don't. I just don't think we're getting a quarterback this year. I think it's going to be Fitz and Heineke, honestly, at this point. Yeah, I think they'll probably focus on those guys, but I definitely think when it comes to like the uh, third round picks or fourth round, they'll, you know, see who's there. And if they like a guy, they'll do it. I don't think that they're as into Mun and, you know, a couple of those other guys at 51, like this fan base has been saying, but we'll see. But um, how I feel about them in general, like I said, I don't really like Mun at 51. Mm-hmm. But if it happens, it happens. And then the couple other guys, I like them. I probably like them more than him. But as a whole, I don't think I really want any of them too soon. No. I wouldn't really mind if we use one of the thirds, but I think I would rather kind of focus on some other holes. But I think all three of the quarterbacks or four or however you see it, they're all kind of the same. And after you get – like, I I honestly would even put probably Mac Jones in that category. Not to say that he, he has a lot – like them to work on but for me it's just a lot of question marks with him and mm-hmm. the lack of athleticism and all those type of things so for me the main quarterbacks in this draft for me is you know trevor and mm-hmm. justin and lance and then you have wilson i'm not as high on wilson as others but Maybe i definitely else. understand why some teams are high on him and you know guys like trask and mund and all them guys they aren't in that tier for Forgot me and trask. those were yeah and those would be the kind of guys that i would look down later mm-hmm. the line i you know like when i get a quarterback i want a top prospect high mm-hmm. potential guy like these not to say that these guys don't have high potential but you're getting a lot more risky but i could like being that they may stick with Fitz and heineke and allen they may like those guys because then you have a little bit more time to sit them and work with them mm-hmm. so i think i just i think it's just a matter of you know just waiting and seeing because honestly you know like you said, we see the report today where they love lance and they're going to trade up it for him. i want to be- yeah, yeah i want to believe it so bad but then you know Earlier, there was other reports that they said that they weren't trading up, and then we seen reports before that they love field. So it's mm-hmm. just it's been back and forth for me. So I'm not going to get my hopes up on any, but I, you know, if if we did get any quarterback, I definitely wanted to be a trade up for mm-hmm. Fields or Lance. But as far as these other guys, if the team feels comfortable enough to pick them, like I said, I'll you know accept that I welcome them because they obviously know more than me. They looked at these guys, they scouted them, but overall, they don't really move the table for me and move the needle and. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it, it is, is what, what it yeah, is. It is what yeah. it is. I mean, I don't think we're going to get any of those top quarterbacks. It is what it is once again. But again, it's smoke. It's most screen season. Yeah. None of us have any idea what to believe. And at, pretty much at this point until draft night, don't believe anything. Unless right. it's an official trade or something. Speaking of official trades, we have one for a different quarterback who we apparently almost traded for. Sam Darnold was traded to the Panthers. He, <laughs> uh, it was for a sixth rounder this year a second and fourth next year and the reports where they wanted a second and a fourth they got it i don't like the move for the panthers necessarily i don't think sam darnold is that good they also accepted his option so he's going to be making like 23 million dollars next year which is ridiculous yeah it is and uh (laughs) we apparently quote unquote took a hard look and then chose fitzpatrick over him i don't know what to make of taking a hard look (laughs) at sam darnold Hopefully it was not too hard of a look and they were just kind of like kicking the tires on it. Maybe one or two calls. Hopefully seriously did not consider giving up this kind of package for a guy who's not very good. Yeah. And then with a cap hit that big, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just not a great, not a great 
move, in my opinion. Yeah. Unless Joe Brady somehow rescues his career, which is possible because he's a very good yeah. offensive coordinator. <laughs> but that leaves another guy in a pretty awkward spot. Teddy Bridgewater now does not have a certain future. And <laughs> there was a tweet from NFL Rumors earlier today <laughs> saying Curtis Samuel's making a heavy push that we trade for him. We don't know how reliable the source is, but yeah. Assume, and again, smokescreen season. How, what do you think of Teddy Bridgewater? I think that Teddy is a very, 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 very average quarterback. I think he's been an average quarterback his whole career. I think that at times he can be good, but I think for the most part, you're 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 getting what you're getting, and that's mm-hmm. not a quarterback very good. I think you're getting a guy who's injury prone. I think you're getting a guy who can make a throw and then make uh, five, ten more bad ones. I think that Teddy's a good person. I think he's a good player, but I just think we already have those quarterbacks on the team. I think I would take Allen over him. I would take Heineke over him. take Allen over Bridgewater? Yeah, I would most certainly take uh, Fitzpatrick over him. I would maybe take Fitzpatrick and Heineke over him. I don't think I'm... I'm, I'm, No no way I'm I'm taking Kyle Allen over him. I think you're sleeping a little bit. I think you're sleeping a little bit. No, you're sleeping. You're. Oh, I, I might be overestimating. I think you're awake too much on him. <laughs> but um, I might be look, way too I, wide awake. I'm not trying to knock him. Teddy because, like right. I said, I think he can make certain plays. But I think that Kyle Lally can do the same, and I think he can do it for a lot less money. And he already knows the system, so that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. I think I am being a part a little bit too hard on Teddy, but the stuff I've seen with Teddy, it doesn't excite me, and it's way too inconsistent. He mm-hmm. had all those weapons this year, and the numbers and stuff was very, very poor. And then Not you great. have the games where he got injured and was, you know, in and out. So it's just, I just, I don't like the fit. I don't like the move. And like you said, we got to factor in the source. It may not be as accurate, but I would hope to God that they stay away from that. If you I hope for the sake Teddy, of Curtis Samuel's intelligence. This is <laughs> true, honestly. If, yeah, if you're going to, for the, if you're going to, if you're looking at Teddy, you may as well just keep the three quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah. Like, no, it's just, it's not, you're not getting, gaining anything else. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, it, it's just not. And Curtis, I love you, but if you are, you know, trying to recruit him here, no. No. That's what I'm gonna say. No. Shout out to Mod Fail again. He just subscribed to the tier one sub. Yes, appreciate the we sub. Appreciate you. But yeah, Curtis Samuel, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think is the, you can say is definitively better than Teddy Bridgewater without any real objections at this point in their careers. Teddy is a lot younger. I think he's still only like 25, 26. 25. He, he was like his, or maybe Let like 27, see. 28. But he was like, I think he came in the league pretty young as well, if I remember correctly. But uh. He's 28. Okay, he's 28. He came in the league young. I remember he had that like crazy injury on the Vikings when he was mad yeah. young. I guess it has been a few years since then. Uh, he played pretty well on the Saints. He had them undefeated while he was starting. I mean, he's since he got to Carolina, since he got to Carolina, he hasn't really done anything spectacular. And he had some pretty great receivers between DJ Moore, Samuel, and uh, Robbie Anderson. So it's just not <laughs> he again yeah, another guy who just doesn't move the needle. Three thousand, almost four thousand yards, fifteen touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. Yeah, only you only fifteen tell- touchdowns the whole season. You telling me Kyle Allen can't do that? You telling me Kyle Allen can't do that? Matter of <laughs> fact, I'm about to look up his numbers right now All right, because right, okay, fifteen. Kyle had four and one, and the year before he had three thousand. Did yards, he play? How many 17 games? Seventeen and sixteen. How many games? It's about did the same. Play? Is it really about? Uh, the same? Give me one second. Wow. Okay, then please do not trade for Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> He's about the same as Kyle Allen. Even though I think he's making like maybe ten times as much money. He played fifteen. 
15 games. Okay. He played 15. Games. He had one touchdown a touchdown. game. <laughs> exactly. Which is not good. Uh, you, you want more than that. So I think Fitzpatrick will have more than that. I, if Teddy Bridgewater's with that receiving core, yeah, even uh, Christian McCaffrey was out most of the year. But you still had like uh, the backup. What was his name? Mike Davis? Yeah, Mike Davis. You had Mike, Mike Davis, Davis who had a well. crazy year. You had Curtis Samuel have a breakout year. You had a lot. Like, and, and like and like Amari just said, Kyle Allen is 25. I'm taking him over Teddy Bridgewater any day. I don't care. Kyle <laughs> Allen has a little more turnover concern is my big thing with Allen. But uh, it's, I think it's about the same. He fumbles the ball a little more is, is what I've noticed. He has tiny little hands, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, Allen is... Hopefully not making the roster anyway. So no, if we draft is, the quarterback, so. he's the like I said last time, he's odd man out. I don't think so. I don't. I yeah. think I think you're. I I think Ron really likes him, and I we'll think see. that you're kind of underestimating that. We'll see. I mean, Heineke. I well, look, I'm gonna say Heineke. I'm not. I'm not gonna say he can't get cut, but I definitely think that out of all the quarterbacks, that's Ron's. <laughs> Felipe sick Franks is gonna take Kyle Allen's time. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. And I think we're kind of overrating, you know. Heineke a little bit like he had what about five quarters or so it was against the Super Bowl champs man I don't know bro and they didn't have no film on it they didn't have no film on this man or nothing nah I don't know he's he was delivering some dots I I mean I think he had a good I think he had a I have to go back and watch it was so much fun watching it live I don't it might just be me in my head remembering oh my god he popped off against Tom Brady's Buccaneers it was fun but I feel We'll see. Maybe if he can sustain it, it'll be cool. If not, he's he's cuttable. It's not the end of the world. I don't think it really matters what happens uh, in the draft come quarterback time or for the quarterback position because Ron this week also happened to say, barring any unforeseen circumstances, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback. Yeah. And I think we all kind of presume that, but it's kind of nice to hear this early into the season, right? But uh, not to cut you off, this is what kind of gets me with Ron because he said that and then wanted to say we're going to have a competition, competition and, yep. he, and he wishes that he did the same thing last year. He did the same exact thing last year. He did not do he, the same thing last he year. He did do the same thing last year. He said who was the presumed starter and said that they were going to have an open competition. Then, then all of a sudden now he's like, oh, it wasn't really a competition and that was my biggest regret last year. What's the difference? He was it's going okay. to be a competition, but he's I can bet you he's primarily given the first I don't, uh, all the the reps to Fitzpatrick. I don't know Dwayne Haskins personally, but we know Urban Meyer had said you have to challenge Dwayne Haskins, right? Listen, I'm not I'm not even talking about that aspect of Haskins. I'm just mm-hmm. saying what I, he said. Like he's saying, like he says. You know, Fitz, essentially Fitzpatrick is the one, but it's going to be an open competition. Then he went in to say he wishes he did that last year. All I'm saying is he said the same thing last year, and now you're trying to say you didn't have a competition. So what's the difference? You're saying that you have a presumed starter, and that presumed starter is going to get most of the reps. Then you're saying that you're having a competition. My my biggest thing more than anything is, you know, don't try to, like, now that it's, you know, later, try to act mm-hmm. like you wasn't considering a like, – essentially wasn't a competition because it's going to kind of be the same thing. That's what kind of – bothers me a bit i don't care about haskins and i we don't know him like like you said we don't really know him behind the scenes and how mm-hmm. he was there but that was my thing that i kind of noticed it's like it's just it I wasn't it wasn't I, really a i consistency. still see them as different though but that's just 
because it, it's completely different. You had a shorter off season last season too. There was a you lot did of have a shorter off season. There was a lot of reasons. It was no. What I'm saying is, how is it any difference to say again that you have a presumed starter? And oh, real quick, shout out Sad to fail. Uh, so other person, appreciate it. Go ahead. Uh, for the no, I was just gonna say how like it's no different for me. Like if if honestly, first of all, open competition more than anything is you know you don't really necessarily know who the quarterback's going to be. That like, if you're really going to have an open competition, there's no presumed starter. But okay. like I said, I, I, that's true. View, I view it as the same thing as kind of last year. And that's why he's like, oh, last year I regret not doing it. What's the difference now when you bring in Fitz, you give him all this money. First of all, from the money alone, we know that more than likely Fitz is the guy. We know that Fitz is number one. Unless, unless he absolutely bombs. Which um, is possible because it's camps, tragic. Unless he absolutely bombs camp, he's going to be. Slap the, the microphone. He's going to be the starter. So that's kind of the thing with me. This competition is not that much different than last year. Obviously, it's longer and you know stuff, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the same. And that's where it's like, you no. Know, I mean, it, it is what it it's, is. I just I just I, kind of felt I, some so just, there. Let me talk you through what I see differently about these two things. Yeah, shorter offseason. Dwayne Haskins, I think, wanted the like I think the organization viewed him as needing that kind of confidence boost. Fitz Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't need that, right? He's coming in. He's trying to get the starting job because that's what he's always trying to do. He's been he's been there, done that. Dwayne is a younger guy. He had to learn how the NFL worked, so they tried to kind of push him to be better by saying, hey, you have the opportunity to lose this job. I think they're doing the same thing to Fitzpatrick. It's not, you know, you're go, uh, a real open competition in either aspect. I agree with you on that because, yeah, there's no presumed starter in a real open competition. But I don't think – I think last year there was no real shot to usurp the starting quarterback because they wanted to develop their first round pick this year. If Heineke comes out and is like throwing bombs at training camp, you don't think there's any chance he starts over Fitz? No, I said that there is, but there at is the same there. time, yeah. if I feel like it was kind of the same with Kyle Island, if Kyle Island, Jen, if, if they knew for a fact that Kyle Island would have blew Haskins out of the water, he would have been a starter. I don't care what anybody say, how much they wanted to develop Haskins because even we even seen it with Rudin. You know that that was Dan Pick, but Rudin did his thing and he started, you know, who for high, he started Keenum. And so for those couple of games until it went down to Haskins. So that's my yeah. thing. And we've seen that Ron has the power. So my biggest thing is if they really, really want, like if, if Heineke was so much better and they really, really wanted him to start, I said Heineke. Mm-hmm. If Allen was so much better and they really felt that he was over Haskins, then they would have just started him. And that's my thing. Like I said, I just felt like it was kind of more of a shot and more than anything. And it's kind of like, I just feel like it's kind of the same as last year, no matter how he's like, it's more of a competition. Like I said, it's definitely a possibility that Heineke starts with even Allen. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like they brought in Fitzpatrick for a reason and that's their main guy. So the competition in the sense is kind of going to be the same as it was last year. If they really, really want a guy, they're going to start him more than anything. Cause like I said, Ron has all the power, no matter what Dan Always. says, he has and to my, from based on what we've seen so far, he has final say. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, if he really wants fish to play, he's going to play. Even if, you know, somehow mm-hmm. Heineke blows him out the water. If he wants fish to play, he's going to play because they didn't bring Heineke in until it was last minute. And even then he had that game and they still <laughs> felt the need to go out and get another quarterback. So mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's assuming they have that much confidence in Heineke, but I guess we'll see that. And I guess we can, talk. We'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully we'll have reporters at this competition. We didn't, yeah. ob- we obviously didn't see anything in the last competition. So it's all based on assumptions and kind of speculation. So hopefully, you know, we see a little more of a competition this year and it's, and last year hopefully was the same and everybody had a fair crack at it and Dwayne won it. 
hopefully he succeeds in uh, in Pittsburgh. Let me say again because Big Ben still not it. I, and I am wearing the R word jersey. Yes, Amari, because it's Sean Taylor and he played Yo, for the R words. Speaking of Pittsburgh, it is so crazy to me that Ben threw like thirty two touchdowns last year because he was so bad. <laughs> yeah, he uh, they started really really hot and their defense just made plays for him and got him in short season, got him on short fields. It was <laughs> he played for Washington. <laughs> he plays for you. Say that now, okay. Fine, Amari. He played. Look, no R word. Y'all know the vibes. It don't say Phil's on the back, but y'all know who it stands for. (laughs) I'll cover. I'll cover the R word the rest of the show. But with that being said, let's move on to Washington's rivals because they also had a free agency period, and you know, some they made moves. Some of them improved. Some of them did not. Let's start with the Cowboys because they were probably the least active in the market. Started off big, got Dak that big extension. What was it? Four years, hundred sixty million dollars. All that money. $75 Seventy-five million for cap, cap hit in year one, sixty-six million. Yeah, signing bonus. Signing bonus. A lot of money. So with that, they had already lost a ton of cap flexibility. So then they brought back two of their own corners, uh, Jordan Lewis and C.J. Goodwin, I believe, are their names. They brought in our old friend from Washington, swing tackle Ty Inseki. Uh I think he's about fifty now. So hopefully that works out. And another. Ex Washington football player. Well, well, tackles they can play today old. <laughs> they can play but, old. That is true. I mean, what's his name? Um, what was that guy who played for us one year? Donald Penn was like thirty nine. Played one yeah. season while Trent sat. And uh, the tackle in for Philadelphia. I, uh, Lane Johnson or the other one? No, Jason the other Peters. one. Jason yeah, Peter. It's that crazy because forever too. Yeah. Yeah. Still playing. Fucking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Is he really still playing? I didn't see that. that I don't crazy. think he signed, but he's still trying to play, if I'm not mistaken. God damn. Fucking 40, <laughs> man. Go take care of your kids. Uh, Jeremy Sprinkle went to the Cowboys as well. So that's cool. Get to see him drop uh, drop passes for a different team. That might be nice. Until he plays us and goes off. Nah, no way. But Jeremy I think, Sprinkle. No, nah, but we say that every year, and then we get our ass kicked by the former players. But... um. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't really think he'll be on the field that much. I think probably he's not. more of a camp body and probably a backup body. He's They know what he is. And yeah. maybe they even brought him in just to get a little bit of the playbook. But I'm just joking. But yeah, I, I mean, don't, yeah. Blake Jarwin probably has the starting tight end spot. Yeah. Maybe they drafted. The Pitts is probably on the table at 10. So or I think they picked 10, maybe 11. Uh, they could yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's 9 or 10. Whatever they're at. Yeah, they could definitely land Kyle Pitts. So I think he's probably not going to see much time. It was just funny seeing him sign with. A rival because it instantly makes them worse. So let's move on to a team who got a little bit. I don't even know if they got that much better, but the Eagles got, I think, marginally better. They signed Anthony Harris, safety, who we both wanted for this team. Signed another guy named Andrew Adams to play safety. I don't even know who that is. Played for the Bucks last year, apparently. Uh, Joe Flacco to be Jalen Hurts' backup. By the way, did you see Jalen Hurts changed his number to number one? Yeah. That was pretty cool, actually. I yeah, it was. I, I like that move for him. Uh, Eric Wilson, they just signed today. I thought that was a really, really solid move. One of the better linebackers available in the open market. And they extended Brandon Graham. What do you feel about the Eagles offseason? Um, I think it's they've been a little bit more active than I expected. But as a whole, the Eagles are the one team in the NFCs that I can say for sure, they do not scare me. Like, no. nothing about this team worries me, scares me, anything. They have an old sec- secondary they kind of got a little bit better, but it's the Eagles. Like, you know what you're getting. I love I love their head coach hire, but as a whole, it's just, no. The biggest, Their biggest hole is wide receiver. And I think even in a draft, like, 
if they were to get one, I think there's going to be some question marks as to who they pick because they always pick the wrong guy. But mm-hmm. like I said, I can say for a fact, and this could come back and bite me, but no, they are the one team for sure, for certain. Nothing about them scares me. Not the offense, mm-hmm. not the defense, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless Jalen Hurts randomly has the greatest like come up of all time, I think it's kind of doomed for them. And it's entirely possible that happens. I'm not 100% sure. Hey, thank you for the 300 bits. It's too bro. Appreciate it. Yes, we appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I think generally speaking, they, they're just not that scary. Uh, they don't they are really the worst team in the NFC East. Probably. But with how random and crazy this division is, I don't... Maybe somebody else gets injured on the other teams. Yeah. Then, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I didn't expect us to win the division last year. Yeah, I think if if if... Unless there is another injury, you know, let me knock on wood and God forbid, I don't want Dak or anybody to get injured. But unless injuries like that happen, they're going to be the bottom of the East. And I honestly think that might be their plan because we've seen them trade for an extra first next year. Mm-hmm. So I think that they kind of know that they're bad and kind of are accepting a little bit. I think they're kind of taking, I don't want to say the wrong route, but like we are developing, but at the same time, we're going to compete. So I mm-hmm. think that they know that they're more than likely probably going to be bad. But at the same time, they want to do the best that they can, but they you know it's what nothing, it is. Yeah. It's nothing about they're trying to rebuild the same way the wizards are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but yeah. God, and, that know, just made me so sad. Oh my and God. And they, and they try to, you know, use Wentz as a scapegoat. I know everybody yeah. has their opinion on Wentz, but I think that the Eagles problem is still in the building and mm-hmm. still off the roster. If that makes sense. Like Howie I Roseman think that or the ownership. Yeah. Well, Roseman and ownership, but I'm saying like I think that first their biggest holes on the field is still off the roster. Oh, I don't okay. think that it was quarterback. And mm-hmm. then as the team as a whole, the biggest problem is still in the building. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's probably going to stay that way for a little yeah. while because their ownership is just as bad as ours, unfortunately for Eagles fans. But you know, is what it is. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they're just a bot- a bad team forever. I guess. Uh, Giants up next. They made a few splash moves, uh, namely Kenny Galladay and Adore Jackson. I think were the two biggest splashes. Then they've had some solid depth moves. You know Kyle Rudolph and uh, Mike Glennon. Also John Ross, the speedy receiver out of uh, Cincinnati. And uh, they also signed Ryan Anderson. So that's another former guy from us going to another team, being bad for them. Hopefully. But yeah, and uh, also Zach Fulton to play on the offensive line. Well, I don't think I don't think Ryan will be bad for them because, and I don't necessarily think he was bad for us. I think he just didn't fit because he's more That's of a, a three-four guy, and mm-hmm. he just didn't really find his role here. But not at all. Yeah, he could have. I like he was still an outside linebacker in the new scheme. He just didn't ever play. Uh, so, I mean, he probably will be able to, to do some stuff in the Giants' defense just because he has a lot of pieces around him and. Uh, if he gets snaps, I don't know how their linebacker rotation is right yeah. now. I know Blake Martinez is Blake Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, he's just a solid piece of depth. I don't think, like, like I said, I don't think he's a bad player. I just think that his ceiling more than anything is just kind of a depth guy, like probably above average depth, depth guy. Mm-hmm. But the Giants, I like their offseason. I think that they overpaid, but I think they have some really good additions. And if this team stays healthy, you know, Washington football team fans may hate what I'm about to say, but they can give us some run. They can give us uh, some bump. They can mm-hmm. give us a run for our money. And honestly, they're like I think that we have the better defense, no doubt. And we have, you know, there's some questions about the offense and stuff. But I want I wouldn't even be surprised if 
you know, the season ended and they had a better record than us. Mm-hmm. And that's just being me straight up as a football yeah. team fan. I mean, Honestly, fan. if everybody stays healthy, I don't see a reason why the Giants couldn't win the NFC East. Yeah, I mean, no, like, you know, they went, they only were behind us one game last year. They was down with Saquon. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel Jones missed a couple of games. And we all have our opinion on Daniel. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the world. But I think that he has a, a lot of, he still has a lot of potential. And if he puts it together, especially with those weapons that they gave him, mm-hmm. it can come together. And they have a pretty solid defense. We have the better D-line, D yep. but they have uh, they may have the better secondary. And I think as a do. whole, yeah, as a whole, they just have a pretty decent team. And it's really more than anything about health. Like, if Galladay can play 10 or more games, if, you know, John Ross – because I think, I think that John Ross is more of a backup and depth yeah. guy. But yeah. at the same time, he, if he's healthy – you can get some. You can get some good plays out of him, yeah. and that's their biggest thing. They have. If you're the so fastest guy in the NFL. Run in a straight line and catch the football. That's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> on both sides of the ball, they can be really good. They just got to be healthy. I don't Agreed. think they're. Yeah. You know they're not elite, but they no. can be pretty good. A lot of it is going to come down to uh, Joe Judge's coaching because uh, we don't actually know if he's good or not yet. So maybe in a second year we'll actually get to find out because they were kind of a middle. They started out completely terrible last year, kind of rebounded a little bit. Nobody really knows what they are yet. Yeah. So if the Giants find their identity, I think it might be a little scary. Defensively, I kind of like what they did, but I don't, I'm don't. i not super, super high on Dory Jackson. Back to that point yeah. you made about them overpaying. They overpaid everybody. Yeah, they did. I, well, Galladay, they kind of overpaid him, but at the same time, I think It's what the that, Lions were offering, yeah. him, right? Like, I guess that was his market value, but... Nobody else was offering it to yeah. him. Well, so. I think his market was lower, but I, I'm not that mad because, like you said, the the Lions mm-hmm. were paying it. And I think Galladay knew that. Like, he, like, I want to yep. be in New York, and they want me here, so I'm going to recoup that money back. But, yeah, Adoree, no question. Mm-mm. They overpaid him. They overpaid him. I don't, <laughs> like, I saw all the PFF stuff about him being, like, a top five coverage quarter. I never saw that. I thought he was just kind of, yeah, like, he's no, fast. I never saw it either. But, I mean, I saw him get burnt pretty yeah, I, I think he's a capable corner, and I think mm-hmm. he has the potential to be that, but I don't think that he's consistent. I don't think that he does it consistently enough mm-hmm. to say that, and I don't think he does and it consistently enough to get paid right. 13 or so million a year. And it's not like he was the cornerback one on his last team anyway. Yeah. Like, Malcolm Butler, unequivocally, was the Titans' first corner. He would follow the best receiver. Adoree Jackson was left on whoever was left, so it's not like he was getting torched by the league's best receivers. He's going to be in the same role he's on now for the Giants. Yeah, so, I don't know. That one is a little iffy to me. Other than that, I like what they did. Even Kyle Rudolph, I think, is a pretty solid move because uh, Evan Ingram is always hurt. So it's nice yeah. to have a capable backup tight end. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that high on Kyle, but I do think it was still a good move. And I think as a whole, they got a lot better. And I think more than anything, it's going to come down to us two. Unless Dak and the Cowboys office can carry that team through the whole season. But... And that I don't know, but I definitely they would have to average like sixty points a game. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I mean, think that's I mean, I think they'll be in the thirty range, and I think that you can win some games there. But I think that it'll get to a point where they're kind of burnt out, and especially when you got to face the Giants and the uh, our defense, and you know a couple other teams too. I'm I know we face the Bucks. I'm not sure if they do, but if they face I the Bucks, that's one. The Chiefs mm-hmm. it doesn't have the best defense, but on a nightly basis, they can, you know, kind of ramp it up sometimes. And, and their offense, other I think, teams. is higher powered than the Cowboys yeah. offense, too. But, yeah, it's – I I think they'll be a fun kind of team to watch just because it'll – every game is just kind of going to be a 30-point shootout as long as everybody's healthy. So, yeah, that might be fun. But uh, hopefully we see some competitive games next year amongst all these teams. And I think yeah. with that, 
it's about time we move on, unfortunately, to some Wizards. Actually, let's not do that yet. Let's, you want to talk about the tournament? Because I really don't want to talk about the Wizards. You want to talk about the tournament? I do want to talk about the tournament a little bit, actually. All right. I'm so, fine with that. <laughs> yeah. So, I think everybody kind of knows. I was big, big, big on the Gonzaga hype train pretty much the whole season. I, uh, <laughs> obviously disappointed. Came up short in the national title game. I kind of had a feeling it was coming after the UCLA game went into overtime. Because uh, Baylor is much, much better than UCLA. And it would... They didn't really have a problem in the semifinals, so Gonzaga was going to be a little more tired. I'm going to remember this run for a long time, probably, though, just because it was so much fun up until they just... The the whistle, the opening whistle of the final game. Yeah. That, that Suggs... Did you see the Suggs uh, game winner from, like, half court? Yeah, I did. That was one of the most fun sports moments since we got sports back. Like, yeah. from in the pandemic. I've... Yeah. March Madness was a lot of fun. I'll probably bandwagon a different team next year. We'll see. <laughs> Duke! <laughs> Maybe. Depends who you guys land in recruiting class. <laughs> but I mean, our, our, recruiting ca- uh, our recruiting class is damn good. Like, we we got some good guys coming in. I think that it's we got we got to kind of put it together a little bit. But I'm very excited. You know, this was a rough year for us. But yeah. I'm used to rough years with my sports teams. And the guys that we're bringing in and some of the guys that we're retaining – we can make some magic happen. I'm not going to say that we're going to be, um, I'm not going to, I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. I don't think like, I think that we're still a long way from the championship. Not to, I think that we have a team that can win it, but I also mm-hmm. know what goes into winning the championship. And yep. I think that a lot of times chemistry and, you know, just those type of things play a bigger role than, you know, talent. Mm-hmm. So I, we you saw know, that like with I said, Baylor. Yeah, we have the talent that can compete for a championship, but I also think that it's going to matter. It's a more of a matter of them coming together, but I mean, I'm not saying you're going to bandwagon us, but you said you, we'll you want to see. I'll who, keep the option open. Bringing in. And we, we got a pretty good one. And we might even have another guy or two that's coming in. Or I'm praying that Matthew Hurt stay. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going to declare. But if he stays, then whew, watch out. There's no question. And I, I, I don't know if you're watching tonight, but y'all UNC fans, I'm going to be on Saturday. <laughs> if y'all on there, okay. I'm telling you, we can even bet on it. Duke. <laughs> We are going to beat y'all, and it's Ooh. gonna. We're gonna do better than y'all. You're gonna guarantee I'm the like, ACC championship. I can. I'm. I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm getting a hit of it, but you know what? Is. I'm gonna say I'm trying to get you to double down. Go. We, <laughs> we win the ACC championship. There like, it is. You heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. All right, Duke is winning the ACC championship <laughs> in 2022. Look forward to it. <laughs> I did want to talk about how. Some of these college prospects fit in with the Wizards, though. So let's yeah. do that. I think everybody kind of has a consensus that there are five guys in this coming draft who are going to have higher ceilings than everybody else. Yeah. You got Jonathan Kuminga, you got Jalen Green, you got Jalen Suggs, J- uh, Cade Cunningham, and Evan Mobley. They are very five very very talented basketball players. Let's say the Wizards get the number one overall pick. Who do you take? Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham. I don't know if I agree. I've been watching all of them. <laughs> who do you? Uh, who do you say? I'm kind of feeling Evan Mobley. I, I wouldn't hate that, but I ah. see. Okay, so the thing is with Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham is a fantastic player. He uh he has a jump shot way beyond his years. I think you're about two- to say what I think. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But <laughs> we'll see. I don't. We'll see. He uh he's not a super spectacular athlete. 
he he's not going to jump out the gym or like dunk on anybody. I if let me also say, if the Wizards are picking number one, I would not be taking. I okay, well, I should not be taking roster status into account because the number one overall pick. You take the I agree. Player. Evan Mobley, I think, has a higher ceiling than Cade Cunningham. No, you don't think so? No. You have a seven footer who can shoot and jump out the gym and do everything. I just think with the center position, no. That is true. A lot of people are skittish on taking centers early, and there's good reason for it. I'm not skittish on taking a center early. I just think as far as ceiling goes, I don't necessarily know about that. Just because I think that guards can be a lot more elusive and, you know, a lot more versatile and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that Evan is a great player, a great prospect, but I just think when it comes, especially in today's game too, Mm -hmm. I think that it's a lot more guard-friendly and I think that it is guard friendly. Cade's game and stuff can just kind of translate. And I think I kind of see where you're coming from, though. I mm-hmm. think I I think that it's Cade, but I also kind of see your argument because, like yeah. you say, he's seven foot and he can he's do a lot of things. Foot. He has a seven foot four wingspan. He literally just kind of raises his arms up, and they're at the rim pretty much. And then he can jump, and his forearms are almost at the rim, which is awesome. He can catch lobs. He can shoot a little bit. Obviously, he's not super polished in those abilities. That's the one thing Cade has on a lot of these prospects. Very, very polished in a lot of his moves. I saw him do a lot of the, uh, like, a crossover into, like, a backspin right-handed hook shot running up the lane. It's a little bit of, like, an unfavorable shot if your handle, if your handle isn't super tight. And yeah. I think he has to refine that. Very quick twitch with his handle. I like what Cade can do there. He's just not all the way there yet, which is natural. He's only 19 years old at this point. I think he can definitely be one of the elite point guards in this league just because when you're six foot eight and have a wide frame like that, you can defend anybody. And the way he passes and the way he mm-hmm. scores, he'll be all right. But Evan Mobley, man, he can do some, like, the only other prospect recently I've seen with the potential of Evan Mobley is James Wiseman. James Wiseman tries to do too much. I was going to say, I don't even, I wouldn't even, I don't even think I would say Wiseman. They're just I, so skilled is the only reason. Yeah. Like, I, I understand Evan Mobley's a little bit of a different player. He's a little more down low. Uh, usually he doesn't. No, I was going to say, I just kind of, I just kind of think that like at this point and the prospects and stuff, I think that Mobley is a little, I don't want to say better because Wiseman, Wiseman is Wiseman, but I think that. Wiseman had only played a few games. Yeah. I'm college. just like. Mobley had a whole season. But I think I'm also kind of factoring how Wiseman is played. And not to say he's played bad, but kind of looking back now, I think that the Evan that you're seeing now and the Evan that you potentially get is a little bit better and a little bit higher in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like, if I had those two guys, I think that I probably would – it's definitely a conversation. But And like I said, it it may be more of him how we've seen Wiseman play, but I Mm -hmm. think I might be leaning Evan. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we should also talk about the other three guys. They're not as yeah. much of a priority, uh, I think. So let's go in the order of priority then. I think three would be Jalen Suggs, just because that guy is really, really good. Does pretty much everything on the court. Uh, great passer of the ball. Decent rebounder. Good looking jump shot. Can tighten it up a little bit and speed it up maybe. Uh, I think his handle is really good. And he's very, very tough. Gets to the rim efficiently. I like Jalen Suggs a lot. Got to watch a lot of him at Gonzaga. Also, he just seems like a leader. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's something very underrated when it comes to prospects. Leadership is not something common in a lot of draft prospects. It's not. I think, you know what? I take 
Jalen Suggs should be the second overall pick. He's not going to be, but he should. I it's definitely it's definitely a little bit tricky. I think for us, there's definitely kind of he he. I don't know if he fits us as well, just because he's not going to get the ball as much. We're yeah. going to turn him into an off-ball spot-up shooter, just because that's what we do to draft picks. Apparently, Troy Brown Jr. 2.0. <laughs> uh, oh God, Troy Bum Jr. Oh, did you see that happened? By the way, that he said, uh, what Troy Brown Jr. after he was traded said one of the most frustrating things about the Wizards was he didn't know what would earn him playing yeah. time. Yeah, I saw that, and that's why I said like I don't like Troy, but and that's why I say even with Denny, yeah. I knew that more than anything it was Scott Brooks, and I didn't know that it was that bad, but I knew that. Yeah, it's not great. This, the tra- Troy Brown that we got more than anything was because of Scott. And again, like I said, I I just said it last week and I feel like the same thing is happening with Denny. I don't know if Denny will reach the ceiling. I don't know if it was the right pick or whatever, but I don't think that with either player, we really will see anything. Well, we are, we definitely won't with Troy now, no. but as far as Denny goes, I don't think that we'll really know until they get another guy in this building. Mm-hmm. And I and like what Troy said, I'm not even surprised because like I said, I already knew that Scott was a big factor into his his playing and how he looked and stuff like that. But like I said, I didn't know it was that bad, but <laughs> yeah. it's just, we got to get this guy out of the building. Immediately. Expeditiously. As, uh, <laughs> as T.Y. once said. Uh, C.I. once said. So, I don't know. Like... <laughs> How do you? How does this happen? Is my big question. How are you a head coach in the National Basketball League, and your players don't know what their role is supposed to be at this point? Like by the, that point, do you remember they had that one like team meeting where everybody named specifically what their role was going to be uh, to Westbrook and Beal? What happened to that? Troy Brown was at that. Was like, <laughs> he was at that meeting? Right? I mean, I mean, maybe he said <laughs> something, and then when they played, it ended up being differently. And then he went to coach and like I think in my role is like this and. <laughs> It's not so. Got what is it, and how can I do better? But I think I think that, and this is why I said I think that we all know that Scott should be gone. But I honestly I don't know necessarily know if he will be. And it's crazy to say with how bad this team looked. But mm-hmm. hearing that and seeing the how they're playing now, and the fact that he still has a job, and the fact that we aren't even seeing rumors of him being on the hot seat and this and that, it honestly seems like to me that Scott has more power than we think, and like. I, and I don't, and it's crazy to me that he has so much power and control for a guy who was really only brought in here to recruit Kevin okay. Durant. Yep. It's seasons later, we don't have Katie, we have Russ. And not to say that Russ is a bad player or anything, but you don't have the guy that you brought him in here for. Mm-hmm. He hasn't lived up to what you expected from him as a, as a coach. It's crazy when you can argue that Randy Whitman was a better coach. Yes. Unequivocally, you know, Randy Whitman was a better so coach. So it's like, what's the deal? Like, how many more chances is this guy going to get? Why is it that you trade you you draft a player at 14 and then he gets traded and he says this and it's still nothing like it's just it's too much for me and like even with like his recent comments on Russ and stuff and he's like you know like Russ wants to play better and Russ wants to do this and that like it's just like it just all They're blowing another big lead right now. Let's go. <laughs> One more step toward getting Scott out of but, here. Um, Thank you it Brian. Just, it just throws me off like I don't this team as a whole just doesn't seem like it's on the same page and even when you get reports that you know Bill has power and stuff like what the hell is going on in the Wizards building don't know I guess we'll hopefully we start knowing a little more as we kind of get closer to uh to the offseason and it's a little more clear that Scott Brooks isn't coming back I'll be back okay
Are we back? But okay. Yeah. All right. My internet just kind of died for a second. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Scott Brooks. Hopefully he's not here. I don't know how it got to this point. I don't know how anybody let it get to this point. Hopefully he's gone next season. Yeah. Same. All right. All the way. Let's loop back to prospects. <laughs> we yeah. were at. Yeah. No, I had to rant right quick because. No, I, I don't blame you. He's the worst. Yeah. Um. Who was it? Okay. So for talking about Suggs. Yeah. So Suggs, I think would be a good fit. But I think he's third in priority just because Cade and Mobley fit better. Yeah. Fourth, I think, is Kuminga. I like Jonathan Kuminga a lot. He plays for the G League Ignite team. Uh, he's proven he can do it against guys who have played in the NBA. He's a good passer of the ball, good rebounder. Does not have a deep bag of moves yet. So uh, I saw a lot of people comparing him to Pascal Siakam. So don't... Yeah, and... Good. Yeah, I was going to say I like him, but another thing that kind of throws me off, and obviously you take BPA, so whatever, like I'm not going to mm-hmm. say don't draft him, but I think with him, he's a little bit lower on my list as well because of position. You know, there's some, you know, debate that he's a small forward, power forward, and you kind of have Rue in that role. So, Rui, so Denny. it kind of, yeah, it well, and Denny, I'm, I think that I, I would, ideally, I would like to see Denny there, but there's definitely <laughs> some, you know, like I wouldn't, like if there's a player that is a power forward, I'm not, because of Rue, I think I like I would say I don't I, know I if I'm going to take him, but for Denny, I'm not going to you know not take uh, Jonathan <laughs> because of him. But um, by the way, it's, every game that Rui didn't play, I just didn't watch just because there was no reason. <laughs> yeah, no, Rui is the only reason that I'm still here, and I, and he's crazy because people probably feel like it's Bill for them, but it's Rui for me, no doubt about it. He's the only player both on been team out <laughs> that I do like uh, that I mm-hmm. that I'm still here for. No, mm-hmm. no, no, just the Bill or anything, but. I know what it is with him and da da da. Rui, like that's it. But yeah, with him, that's kind of where I'm at. So it's I like, agree, yeah, can I... you can you play him and Rui at on the court at the same time? How mm-hmm. would the positions work? And even if you were to factor in Denny, if Denny makes a major leap, and you have those three guys, it kind of gets a little bit iffy. Yeah, because uh, none of them can play shooting guard. So yeah. uh, unless you wanted to have like some weird lineup of Beal, Denny, Rui, Kuminga, and like Bryant or something. And then Bill can't play point guard because he just likes to score too much. He's just not a natural facilitator, and I don't expect him to be. But I don't know. Harden at this at like that a later stage in his career, if Beal really wants to be like a franchise player, I don't know. But I we can we'll we'll talk about Beal later. Yeah, but <laughs> with Harden, he's always kind of had you know like the assist and kind of he's always kind of been that double player where he's. Mixed I mean, in between, yeah, like but I, before I, D'Antoni get got there, they really just wanted him to score, right? Like they didn't. Yeah, I was about to say. Facilitate. But he always had like the facilitating powers. Like Bill, it's never really been that. Like his highest assists consistently probably would be like five or six, if that. Mm-hmm. And even on a nightly basis, that's kind of hard for him to get. So I'm not going to say he can't play that role, but I just don't see it on a you know. Like, Harden has accepted it and does it night in and night out. I don't mm-hmm. see that from Bill. I feel like more than anything, if he was to take that role, it would kind of be this night and two nights he's back to scoring as a right. whole. And then Maybe when Russ night, isn't on the yeah. floor and he has to kind of facilitate more or something. I don't know. Yeah, in my lineup, I just didn't even account for uh, <laughs> for Russell Westbrook at all. So hopefully he's not here. Uh, oh, by the way, James Harden's career assist, uh, guess is a career assist average. What, five or six? Six and a half. <laughs> So I yeah. still think Beal can get there because it's not too far. He can get there. I just don't know if he will because he's never, never been know. that. Yeah. Like, even in college, I think Harden kind of was mm-hmm. a little bit of a passer. But, but even in the NBA, like, he didn't really 
do it often, often. Like he he started averaging seven like his four, a third year in Houston, which I think is the year before D'Antoni got there. Uh, I think the next year D'Antoni got there with um with Chris Paul, or they've had Chris Paul at that point already. I don't remember, but yeah, uh, playmakers can develop potentially. Who knows? Uh, fifth guy on my priority list is Jalen Green. I really, really, really like Jalen Green. But he's so redundant with Bradley Beal that you can't have Jalen Green on this roster. So, unless you trade Beal. Yeah, I mean, or unless Jalen goes to small for it. I don't know. He's a little too short for that, I think. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It kind of gets tricky. And, I mean, it's this league is becoming a little less focused on positions in a sense. Like, you know, you have guys like Harden and Kyrie because those mm-hmm. are the two guys where they were, you know, at one point it was Kyrie as a point guard and Harden as a shooting, shooting guard. guard. And now it's kind of flipped. Mm-hmm. So I think that that can kind of work. But like you said, I don't really know. And that's where – and it also, like, kind of to jump to the other prospect, it's kind of the same for Cade and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop myself from drafting Cade if Russell Westbrook is on his team. But at the same time – you can't drive Kate number one and still have Russell Westbrook on this team at 41 million a year mm-hmm. or 40, whatever million a year and have him coming off the bench in a sense. And I don't think that you can have Kate and Russ and Bill all starting. So like I said, I'm not stopping myself from well, drafting Kate, but I don't think that that's necessarily the right move. I think that if we got the number one or we got the two in case to pick there, I think that you have to figure out something with Russ. I think not, don't get me wrong. I think Russ would be a great mentor for Kate, but it would be I hard to as, see them play together. Yeah, I see it as it's a jaw situation, like a jaw in Memphis situation where they have Mike Conley and they kind of knew like if we're bringing in this, if we're bringing in Jaw, we can't have Conley on this team just because mm-hmm. it's kind of a power struggle and and not you know like Russ is the vet, but at the same time when you're drafting Kate, you're basically saying like. You're our franchise point guard, and you know how valuable point guard is in this league. Mary. Bill's the franchise guy, but the point guard position, especially for a team like Washington, I think it's a little bit more important. So for me, it's just like to have it's it's you're kind of like fighting, especially when you have a guy who's as prideful as Russ mm-hmm. and who thinks that he can play for a lot longer. And it's like I'm bringing in this guy, and he's going to take over, but we. We're still going to have you here. And that was kind of the thing when we had rumors of drafting. Um, When we had rumors of drafting Jaw, even bringing in Kobe White, and we mm-hmm. still had Rawl on the roster. That was another thing. It's like, you can't really draft those guys and still have this guy on the roster. Yes, you kind of want that Even this year, vet- Halliburton. Like- yeah. Yes, you kind of want that vet mentorship. But at the same time, when you're drafting these guys, you're, you're you know, you're drafting them for the future. You're giving them the key. So mm-hmm. it's just a little bit, you know. Damn, the Magic are out-tanking us right now. That's crazy. I guess that's why. Well, they're actually trying to. This is the worst tank attempt by the Wizards if they're actually trying to tank, by the way. I don't don't even think they're trying to tank. I just think that they're... I I just think that they're ass. They're just very ass. Yeah. And And it is what it is, I guess. But yeah. Like... They don't want to lose. They want to keep winning. But then as soon as... 115 to 107. Good God. (laughs) As soon as they tr- started like turning a corner, started playing well, everybody started going down. So I mean, this season's a wash. Keep this losing. season was already going down. Like they had that cool run, but then they turned around and was playing mm-hmm. shitty and losing games again. This is it, exactly what the Wizards are going to do. And it started on a rough note because like even they didn't even re- get a real chance to like start the season because they started the season and then eight <laughs> guys on their roster got COVID. So, yeah, they were like three and eight, and then they I didn't got even, COVID and missed all those games. And I didn't even get a chance to have hope. 
<laughs> like, I, I mean, get... when you start over five, the hope was, it's, it I'm dissipates. like, oh, yeah, this season is a wash. It dissipates. It's <laughs> and then so... they got the COVID in, but I think this team, I think they're going to do what they do every year. They're going to win probably 10 or so more games and kind of take themselves out of top five range. And they're not making the play in, but they're going to be try. around that range. Yeah. They're going to end up like 11. Yeah. And we're going to get a bad pick. And they mm-hmm. do this shit every single year. And you keep getting the same exact results. You're not a good team. You're not competing. Like, first of all, this team thinks that they can compete with the top teams. You can't. You can probably get one game on them on your best night. But as a whole, you're not going to consistent. You're not going to compete with them night in and night out. They need to accept the rebid. I don't care what they do with Bill, but they need to figure out something with Rush. They need to start losing these games because, first of all, you don't even have Brad playing. Like you said, Rui's in and out. That was weird, by the way. Bradley Beal was a game-time decision for five straight games, and he just never played any of them. That was really weird. Like, you know, if it's for five games, it doesn't have to be a game-time decision, right? Like, you know yeah. he's going to be out. Uh, it's just this team just really stresses me and you know it's probably getting a little bit redundant but I just probably think I mean all we do is sit up here and, and they don't they have an identity like no. they need to rebuild and like I said I love Bill but I'm not even opposed to you know having him out the building at this point I would prefer to keep him but at the same time we also got to accept that it may not be what we want it to be so they yeah. need to like they need to take a hard look in the mirror and do what's necessary, but I don't think they will because we no, just they're see, not. We just see what Ted tweeted the other day. You're not winning a championship here. <laughs> like this team is not close to any of these top teams. You got teams like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nets, the Bucks, the Sixers. Look at what the Sixers are doing. Yeah. Granted, you know that it, it took them top picks, but they built around. They trusted those guys. the First, process. Exactly. You have Bradley Bill. They're not even building a proper team around Bradley Bill. Then you bring in Russell Westbrook. And again, you're not building a proper team around these guys. They literally just went into the offseason to just sign anybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, if they go out and draft Mobley, then that to me tells me that they're kind of taking the the true needs for real. But at the same time, it's just like every every good move that they do, they make a poor one. Like I said, the offseason, we've seen the moves they make, and they really didn't make any moves that we really needed. Like, you know, it was a couple, like Robin bringing Bertans, like it was Neto, cool, but. Bertans, Gil, that's about it. And, you know, like Robin Lopez was for defense, but even him was only going to do too much. And then you got Neto and Gil. You know, we knew Gil wasn't going to be much. Uh, Neto, we didn't expect him to kind of play as good as he is, but even his good. best is. I think we still... should have traded Neto at the deadline and Rolo if anybody was offering. Something. Yeah, but I mean, if was he. Was people interested in him? Hope I uh, probably not. I mean, I don't know though, because it sounded like the Wizards were still trying to make the playoffs, so they just wanted Gaffer they are. And, and Hutchison. So it's not like they would have traded him. So and I it, don't know. And next year, in oh. this offseason, I think it's going to be very disappointing for us because probably he, you know seeing Ted tweet those things and like, oh, we've seen it with Oveskin and we've seen it with uh, Elena, and you're not those mm-hmm. teams. This is not the same league. This league is a lot tougher, in my opinion. Not to knock those other leagues and not to knock those championship runs, but at the same time, if you're not a top team and you don't have those top dogs and you don't have, you know, and not to say we don't have top dogs because we have good players, but I think sometimes, too, there's with Russ and Bill, they're great players, but when it when you match them up with kind of these other duos and how the teams are constructed, it doesn't really necessarily match up and not to say that they like 
as far as talent, but just as far as fit and all those yeah, other I mean, things. Like KD and Harden yeah. are certainly going to beat uh, Russ and Beal in a seven-game series, right? Like, it's, there's no you know, and it, it, Exactly. And then you factor in the fact that, you know, the Nets got Joe Harris and... Mm-hmm. They have um, good role players, and we do yeah, not. And it just... I don't know. I, I hope for... I hope... Embrace the rebuild, it, please, just because it doesn't do, make but sense not It doesn't to. seem like it. It doesn't seem like we're heading for it. If you hear us, please do it, just because I'm tired of sucking and it's annoying i'd rather suck once for a bit like a large amount of time and then (laughs) just kind of be good for a while because that's how dynasties are made now i guess just kind of sucking until you don't i mean i remember when the 76ers and the nets were two of the worst teams in the league (laughs) started from the bottom now they're there hopefully and you can can, you can still argue that the 76ers Maybe better than the Nets, but you look at those two teams and they're good and they mm-hmm. did what needs to be done. They took the risk. I, you know, like even now, there's some question marks with the Nets as far as health, but they don't care about that. They're no. taking the risk. They're trying to fight for a championship. This team says that they want to do a championship, but they never take any of the necessary risks. And mm-hmm. that's why it's to the point where it's like you can't keep half going for a title. Even the Lakers, they have Bron and they traded, um, B.I. Ball, mm-hmm. Hart, and they went all in stuff for AD. You see what the Clippers did. You cannot have a team like the Wizards who keep half going in and half going out and thinking that you're going to get far. It just doesn't work like that. Does not. Hopefully, they realize that. Maybe hire a guy to lead them in the right direction in the offseason. Hopefully, they land one of these top five picks because that would make it easier in the future, theoretically. But I think with that, it's about time we wrap up. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate the subscriptions and the bits. Be sure to follow us on all socials, uh, at Chasing Chip on Twitter, at Chasing the Chip on Instagram, uh, at Moise on Twitter for me, at Drew the Plug for twi- uh, on Twitter for you, right? And 